0: Which means, yeah, it means that it's the preacher or the the people's job, the church's job to basically coax the listeners into this state of mind where when I preach the gospel to you, you will be saved. Mm. which
1: that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hymn Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funga and I'm Cara Devereaux.
0: And in today's episode, we're picking up on some of our themes from last week's Hillsong discussion. We're going to look at the origins of the Pentecostal and revivalist movements, and we're going to try and answer the million dollar question, should Christians sing these songs at church?
1: But first, if you haven't already, head over to HymnPartial.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. This allows us to keep in touch with you when the pesky algorithms of social media decide to up and change. Plus, the weekly newsletter contains all sorts of fun bonus content, including exclusive videos that our subscribers get to see first. In this week's bonus clip, we are going to share some contemporary hymns that you might want to start singing if you're not already. But if you're not a subscriber, you'll have to wait to find it out. So don't miss out on next week's bonus clip. Go to hymnpartial.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter today.
0: So, last week we um, did a sort of response video to the Hillsong Exposed documentary. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched that yet, um, I would go back and watch it just yeah. so that you have more of a context of what we're talking about and why mm-hmm. today.
1: Yeah, we opened a can of worms last week, didn't oh, we? Yeah,
0: <laughs> we kind of did. Yeah, there were a few things where we were like, we want to discuss this further and in a broader context. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so this week, um, and Kara and I talked a lot about this beforehand. We kind of want to dig into the reasons why maybe some folks have had historically issues with um, record labels like Hillsong um, and similar similar acts like yeah. Elevation, Jesus Culture. Bethel, oh, just going to get awkward. More, it's going to get awkward. Trouble, yeah. Vineyard as well. Vineyard as well. So um, we're we're going to talk through some of the reasons why um, why we might have issue or might you might have issue with those particular acts yep. and them being used on a church Sunday I service. I
0: think it's good to say from the start that this is not just a case of like oh, this sinful modern music. No. There is more to it than that. Yeah. Um, So if you're feeling a little defensive, just give us a chance.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we'll start off by why. Why are we picking on these guys? Why do we just name and shame Um, at least probably one of your favorite 20s and 2010 bands? Um, Well, it's... In response, like we said, in response to last week's episode, there were kind of a lot of issues raised, particularly in the first of the three Hillsong exposed um, episodes.
0: Which, by the way, we recommend you don't watch any of them. <laughs> yeah. If you are going to watch any of them, the first one's the only, only one. Only one the, the first one. Well. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um. Those issues that were raised were, like, more broadly applied to these other movements, musical movements as Mm -hmm. well. So we couldn't just pick on Hillsong, actually. It was more—it's broader. It's broader than that. Um, These movements also have distinct origins that we're going to get into, um, particularly the Pentecostal revivalism movements, And we will dig into that. Um, These are also the most prominent of their types. Yeah. So there are definitely more music movements out there that are similar to Hillsong. The other the other reasons
0: that we're picking on these ones is because these ones also claim to be churches. Yeah. So there's a difference between music, which is contemporary, which is just for listening to. You know, you've got it on your Spotify playlist that's different from music that is deliberately created to be sung in church.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, and I don't know how, how prophetic he is, but this, this also was um, in response to an article that Scott Aniel, a, a guy who we've had on the show before uh, he wrote a, an article on G3 uh, ministries, G3 ministries, about Hillsong and Bethel mm-hmm. and, and Jesus, Jesus culture, culture, as culture as well. maybe Elevation we can, Church. We can well. link it. In the yeah, show we will. Notes so we will link, link it. it. Yeah. So it's kind of like a combination. He just put this out like a few weeks ago. Maybe at the same time that the documentary came out. I'm not sure. Before. Yeah, I want. That's why I said maybe he's prophetic yeah. because he he released it and then the documentary came out. So um and he and like I said that article's on G three and he had a podcast on his show or an episode on his podcast as well where he kind of reiterated the same points um so all of those reasons is why i think we need to talk about this i've wanted to talk about this for a
0: while but this just seemed like a a good time culturally to pick up on it because people are talking about hillsong Mm -hmm. and so we can kind of pick up on that and say well you know this is what's going on. <laughs> yeah,
1: let's dig into this a little bit.
0: Okay, so you want me to talk a bit about the origins yes. of the movement? Educate okay. Us. Bear with me. I read bad theology, so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually have to go quite far back to the rise of romanticism, hmm. which we discussed in the episode that we did on, I think it was Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Okay. think
1: (laughs) Um, so I definitely don't remember (laughs) yeah
0: so if you don't remember or you haven't watched that episode romanticism was a movement in music and the arts it was kind of a cultural movement eventually and it was a reaction to rationalism Mm -hmm. which is like all about I can logic this I can think through it I can like do experiments on it and that's what proves something's true so romanticism um kind of took more of a, an emotional um, view of things. It was mm. more experiential. So it was about what I feel and what's happened to me and what I've experienced. Yeah. Um, so you have this and this begins to come into culture a lot more um, into the broader secular culture. And of course, it's picked up by the church as well, because, you know, that's how this works. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit and... Oh I should probably say romanticism is not necessarily bad there needs to be a balance though between yeah your brain and your heart yeah um yeah so we fast forward a little bit to some of the revival movements and what's called the second great awakening mm-hmm. in America which was this sort of revival that swept the nation and there's a lot of controversy around this because Some of it was genuine and some of it was not. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at the stuff that was less genuine because I don't want to say none of it was. Of course. I mean, we can't
1: say that definitively. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And talking of definitively. (laughs) (laughs) There's a key person in this, in the theology, and he's called Charles Finney, mm-hmm. who you may or may not have heard of, hence my definitively.
1: Come here for I'm the music wasted. and stay for the puns. I'm wasted on
0: these people. <laughs> Kidding. Um, so if you think D.L. Moody, mm-hmm. um, that kind of like we travel, we set up meetings and we, we do these big meetings for mm-hmm. a while and then we move on to the next place. Mm-hmm. Um that sort of thing, but with really, really bad theology. Mm. So, um, Finney wrote a book called Lectures on Revivals, mm. which talks about what he believed revival was and how to create it. Mm. And if that isn't putting little alarm bells in your gra- in your yeah. brain, like that's a problem. Yeah. So, one of his quotes from Lectures on Revivals is he says, "To break up the fallow ground, therefore, as in the." your heart ready to receive the gospel, Yeah. is to bring the mind to such a state that it is fitted to receive the word of God.
1: How are you going to do that?
0: Which means, yeah, it means that it's the preacher or the, the people's job, the church's job, to basically coax the listeners into this state of mind where when I preach the gospel to you, you will be saved. Mm. Which...
1: That's not how it works.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So their aim in revivalism was to make the gospel known in the most effective way possible. So Finney says the idea is, quote, to make the truth stand out so strikingly, so as to obtain the attention and secure the obedience of the greatest number possible.
1: Secure the obedience.
0: Yes. So what you have to do is you have to catch people's attention so much that they're like, oh, I I guess I believe this. I'd better do what you say. But he also believed that there is no way of doing this set down in the
1: Bible. God doesn't give us a method to get the gospel to people. I wonder why. (laughs) I mean, I wonder, (laughs) I wonder why he's done that? Could it be that he's actually the one doing the work and we just share it? Yeah, but he
0: says, like, <laughs> there is no... Basically, there is no set way to evangelize people in the Bible. There's no set way to share the gospel with okay. people. Which is true, sure. and it's, true and it's not.
1: You have to at least sh- share the gospel.
0: <laughs> you have to also understand how people are saved, <laughs> yeah. which Finney did not. Uh. So, so he believed that... Basically, what the case is, is that all human beings have morality inside of them.
1: Okay. So you
0: inherently have morality and you're inherently religious. But what you have to do is you have to work people into a state of emotion that unlocks that (laughs) in them (laughs) so that the Holy Spirit can move. Because if we don't get people to that state, the Holy Spirit's not able to do anything. And that's what he believes. And I I hate that I had to say that out loud.
1: (laughs) It was like you were leading me down the path and I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And then you took my hand and you were like, just a few more steps. And I was like, okay. And then crash off the edge of the cliff. (laughs) Explosion like Michael Bay at the bottom. It was not. No, 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 no. No,
0: that's that's not how this works. The Holy Spirit doesn't need us to whip people into a frenzy for him and do anything. That's ridiculous. Like do you believe God's sovereign or not? Not N- as the case may be not. for this guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was kind of, it's, it's a very Arminian, very kind of like people are rational. People are logical. People have this innate morality inside them. All we have to do is basically get them into a state where we can unlock that potential and then, just use
1: really good arguments and then they'll be safe. Well, it kind of it kind of shows the heart of this Finny guy as, as seeing God as less powerful than him. Yes. He is the one, like, like think about, like, just like if you heard what Kara said and you're like, I totally agree with this Finny guy. You guys are being harsh, you guys are being a bunch of Calvinists. Just understand what he's actually saying. He is saying. That the Holy Spirit is, like, the Holy Spirit, who is God. Is unable. Cannot get you to worship him on his own. Mm -hmm. He needs some dude. Yeah. To help unlock your inner morality.
0: The quote is, the only way to wake up the dominant moral powers of the soul is through excitement. Word for word what Finney said. Mm. Um, and this will we'll will tie this into the music. You may already beginning, be beginning to make connections, but mm. this is important background for the methodology and why things are done the way they're done in these circles. Mm. So there is a little bit more. Um, yeah, you've got the we can do it however we want kind of thing. The other thing that Finney said was, there's a lot of quotes in this, because I don't want to, you to just take me at my word So this <laughs> is what he said. I want you to sit, see that this is, you know, you can go online. I don't recommend it, but you can look up Charles Finney's lectures on revivals. These are mm-hmm. all quotes pulled from there. So he said, we should meet the character and wants of this age. Meaning... Meaning that we should basically look at how the world is doing things and how the world is getting people's attention and use that to get their attention.
1: I mean, this is, this has to be also the, the root, this type of thinking, the root of all the pragmatism that's gone down in the church over the last century. And the
0: worldliness. Yeah. This is where it comes, partly where it comes from, Mm -hmm. is this view. So he says, he's also got a big emphasis on new and shiny, which you will see with Hillsong and with like Bethel and Jesus Culture and stuff. There's constant new stuff, new albums, new songs, new people, new everything.
1: Yeah.
0: And he says without new measures as in these new and shiny things it is impossible that the church should succeed in gaining the attention of the world to religion so the world's never going to listen to us if we're not constantly like new and shiny and he goes on the measures of politicians of infidels and heretics the scrambling after wealth the increase of luxury Um, These all gain men's attention and turn them away from the sanctuary and from the altars of God. This is true. He goes on. And this is where he just crashes and burns. Unless we increase in wisdom and piety and wisely adopt such new measures, we are are calculated to gain the attention of men to the gospel. Then basically, we're not going to reach them unless we do what the rest of the world is doing to get their attention.
1: Yeah, no. It's it's icky to hear it, but if I if I could understand his argument, it does feel like a noble argument. So some of you guys might be listening still and be like, I don't really see the problem here. He's just trying to win people to the kingdom. Like he just wants people to yeah. be saved. The problem is that. It is a lack of understanding of how people are saved and the power of God. Yeah. And it also is, it's saying, oh, you're you're addicted to alcohol. So why don't I just give you some more alcohol and then you'll stop being addicted to it. It's mm-hmm. like you're using the things that are blocking someone from, what? Yeah. how would he say it? It's like uh, keeping them from... I forgot how you just said it, but it's Um, basically the things that are preventing them from seeing God. You're using more of that and trying to be like, oh, look at God still. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, that doesn't actually logically make sense.
0: Yeah. Your other problem is that we are told to, you know, you'll hear this verse all the time. We're told to be transformed, not
1: Conformed. conformed.
0: Yeah transformed by God, not conformed to the world. Mm -hmm. And in doing this, you are conforming to the world Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, all this stuff is good when a lot of it's not.
1: Mm. Um,
0: So there are a couple more points that are important in this. Mm -hmm. I'll try and get through it quite quickly, but um, it is a lot to take in. So one of the reasons it matters that so many people are converted under this is because In order for Jesus to come back in this theology, please don't cut this so that I sound like a heretic, (laughs) but in this theology, what happens is once you reach a certain sort of threshold of people in the world that are converted, Jesus gets to come back. So by creating these mass conversions, you're helping get towards the end of the world effectively and helping Jesus's kingdom come.
1: And in case you think that that's a smart, uh, theory, like Jesus is very clear. No one knows the day or the hour, like when he's going to return.
0: Like there's nowhere in scripture where it says once, you know, 82% of the world professes faith, I'll be back.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, he says not even I know the hour, only my father. Like I mean, it's very clear in scripture that. That's not the case.
0: Yeah. Like you say, it's very noble and it's very good and it's very biblical to want as many people as possible to hear the gospel and mm-hmm. respond to it. That is a good thing. Yeah. Um, But you can't manipulate God like this. Mm-mm. And I think that's the key is that if you think that it's not God that saves people, it's us. And mm-hmm. if you think that by saving people, we can make God do something for us, then you have a very wrong understanding
1: of God and who he is. So draw us into how this affects music. Like, let's get into yeah. that if we can. Yeah, Just yeah. because I think we're obviously touching on some fundamental but very serious theological subjects. What's this got to do with, with, I almost called them Hethel, Hillsong and Bethel and all of these guys. Like, what 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 of this did they practice?
0: Okay. So if you pick up earlier where I said about um Unlock, basically unlocking moral powers in people by getting them into a state of excitement. This is what the music is designed to do. It's true. <laughs> the The music in itself, this is why the music is bunched at the beginning of the service. Um, because music has this power and we all know it, everybody I've met, unless they're a robot, has been moved by Mm -hmm. a piece of music, whether it's secular, whether it's church music, whatever it is, there's been a time where you've heard something and you've, you've just choked up or you've been filled with this like sense of joy or wonder Mm -hmm. and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But what Finney did was he used this to manipulate people's emotions into a state where they were having these kind of like... Feelings of excitement, of like deep emotions. And then it was like, well, that must be the spirit of God moving. Mm. So you create this emotional experience for people using music. Um, It's not the only way you can do it, but it's one of the most effective ways. So you create this emotional spirit and this emotional experience Mm -hmm. using music and then you dress it up in religious language. Mm. and people are convinced that they've had this religious experience. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is interesting because pagans also do this, yeah. um, in order to have, it's, uh, with the pagans, it tends to be a combination of, of drugs and music, which creates things like in the new age, you can have these weird out of body experiences or spiritual experiences and things like that so there's some crossover there which makes me itchy Mm -hmm. um but yeah essentially what they're doing is they're saying in order for you to get saved i have to get you into this emotional state and the most
1: effective way to do that is with the music wow and so this this is specifically revivalism or what is this kinney finney finney (laughs) What is this Finney philosophy? Is it Finneyism?
0: I don't know what it's called.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it's called. (laughs) But it's out of that movement. It's out of the revival. He's the
0: main thinker in this. He's the guy that put it all together and went, wait a minute. We can manipulate people. And it is manipulation. You're basically manipulating people
1: into thinking that they have had a spiritual experience. And this was mentioned very specifically in the Hillsong documentary that this is what they were doing. That's what
0: they meant. I mentioned last time when the girl said that they weaponize music. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. But this also comes back to, what was it? This comes back to when I mentioned at the beginning about romanticism and about postmodernism, these all kind of compound um, into this really um, convenient cultural mindset of my feelings matter, mm-hmm. and what I experience is truth for me. Mm-hmm. And so, if if my emotions are truth, and if my personal experience is truth, then if I go to church and I feel things and I have this emotional experience then it must be truth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is um, very troubling because our, and I'm, I'm quoting someone. They said this. I don't know who, tell me who said it um, in the comments, but our emotions make terrible masters and we can't go off of how we feel when it's not hitched to reality. So Jonathan Edwards says,
0: and this sounds like Spock or something of Star Trek, (laughs) he says emotions mean nothing. No, they signify nothing. Emotions signify nothing. And he's not saying that emotions are relevant. What he's saying is that you can be emotional, but it doesn't mean there's anything actually happening. Oh, absolutely. And you can be not very emotional, and it doesn't mean that there's nothing happening. Yeah. You can't gauge what's going on from emotions. Mm. It was one of the notes I made was about how um, emotions are so fickle. They're okay. You can have emotions in worship, but they're so fickle. They change so quickly. And so you cannot judge whether you have had some sort of experience with God. You can't judge whether the Holy Spirit is moving by how you feel in the moment. The proof of whether the Holy Spirit is moving, the proof of whether you saved comes long-term. You see long-term change in your life. You mm. see sanctification, you're growing in holiness. Mm. You're you're growing in your faith. You're not just like crying because there's a song on. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong. Like sometimes the Holy Spirit does use music to convict you, that's fine. Yeah. But you know that it's definitely the Holy Spirit at work in you if that continues and isn't just this hit that you constantly have to come back and try and
1: recreate. So I'm in total agreement with you, but I'm trying to connect the dots for our listener. Sorry, I'm
0: talking a lot. No, no, no.
1: I want you to talk because for the record, Cara has unfortunately had the pleasure of reading through all this bad theology and I'm just sitting here and and being unfair. Feeling
0: a little bit sick. Um,
1: So... So I just want to draw this out. So we t- we obviously talked about Hillsong because mm-hmm. Hillsong, in that documentary, it was revealed that this was their intention behind their record label. They wanted to gin up emotions. Mm-hmm. But what does that have to do with Jesus Culture and Vineyard and Bethel and all these other guys? Like, why are we picking on these this group of people particularly okay. I just want to connect the dots cuz I think the pieces are there So yeah okay <laughs> yeah
0: it's not strictly about the specific songs or even it's not even a little bit well it is a little bit but it's a little bit not about who wrote them it's about how you do this so there's a strategy into how you create this hmm. And the strategy is like, there's a guy called Zach Hicks Mm -hmm. who wrote a book called The Worship Pastor, A Call to Ministry for Worship Leaders and Teams. Mm -hmm. And he says, part of leading worship, part part of leading a worship services flow involves keeping the awareness of God's real abiding presence before his worshipers. As all of the worship elements of worship pass by, the one constant, the true flow, true flow being capitalized is the presence of the Holy Spirit himself. This kind of flow um he says, lies in understanding and guiding your worship services emotional journey,
1: and these guys that we're picking on, that is the philosophy behind how they yeah. create and perform music yeah. when they do it. So this is interesting because when we were talking about this before the episode, we I, I was mentioning Jesus culture now. Mm-hmm. What I will say and we maybe have said this already but I can't remember it's all a blur is that these guys produce excellent music. Yeah, that's it's, partly why they're so successful. It's very good. It's it's well composed. It's well in terms of the the techniques that you're talking about from Finney and this other dude who wrote the the worship book. Yeah. They've mastered these techniques. Yes. They've mastered them. Um, but Jesus culture, I thought of particularly because they, the first time I heard them, it was, and I, again, I don't know a lot about Jesus culture. Um, I could tell a funny story to you off camera, but, um, (laughs) but the first time I heard them, it was a friend who was just like, Hey, I'm going to put on some music. Do you, you know, do you mind hanging out, put on some music? And they were like, Oh yeah, this was like from one of their, like 24 hour sessions or something like they were just playing music for like there's a, a thing, whole day or something. Oh,
0: there's a thing called a soaking session where they basically just play music for hours and this you just use culture. I don't think it's Jesus culture, but I've like been invited to this before. It's oh. this kind of grouping of churches. Yeah. They have soaking sessions where they just basically play music for hours and you can like bring your blanket or your sleeping bag or whatever. And you just like sit there and you literally soak in the Holy Spirit.
1: Anyways, it's not a sauna, but that's just, that's awkward. But the point I'm making is that it made me think of Jesus culture first, because they had to, they had to plan and, and, and facilitate this constant flow Mm -hmm. of music where each song was similar keys or had really pleasant key changes. The tempos would rise and fall in a way that would cause this emotion. And actually, totally separate, I was watching just two weeks ago a video by this, um, I'll leave leave a link if you're curious. It was by this um, musician who analyzes pop songs and stuff um, with all of his music theory background. And he spoke about Celine Dion's song, or her cover of the song "All by Myself," mm. and there's this key change for the for you guys old school Celine Dion fans, where she goes, "Don't wanna be all by myself anymore," and like and she it goes, it's uh, an exten yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, a sustained note and the key changes and she performs this all over the world, but one time she performed it and she couldn't continue. It wasn't an act. She wasn't putting on a like a performing. She couldn't continue because the the key change had moved her so much that she was just choked with emotion yeah. and she couldn't finish. And so he actually breaks down why mm-hmm. this is. It's like a thirty minute video, and you'll be fascinated to 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 watch it. Yeah, like what like the type of like what's happening musically and like like how would that swell and that change actually elicits this, there this are, there internal whole, emotion in you. There
0: are whole secular written university research oh, papers yeah. into how music moves you. I yeah. read one of them this week. Um, I'm Not bright enough to understand half of it. <laughs> but I got a gist of it. But I found, we were talking yeah. yesterday about this and I found the quote about how this works. Mm-hmm. So um, it says the content of the songs in sequence has to make sense having spiritual uh, sorry scriptural and thematic relatedness so the songs have to kind of follow a, a theme the key signatures are conductive to conducive sorry to easy so to ease whoever wrote this <laughs> you need a proofreader um so that the key signatures are really easy to play um, they're not jarring. You've got mm-hmm. smooth transitions between songs. Mm-hmm. The tempos of the songs start out fast. Mm-hmm. They move to slower, mm-hmm. um, songs with similar tempos are grouped together. Um, and as you, you start, you start by hyping them up and you bring them right down, mm-hmm. you slow it right down. As you slow down, you get more repetitive, which kind of it it's does like come into your brain. It's, it's like, like a, like a chance. Yeah, it's almost like it can alter your state of consciousness, mm-hmm. make you more susceptible to suggestion and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Um, and then by that sense, you can, by that point, you can bring out the preacher because people are feeling emotional and they mistake that emotion for um, having an encounter with God. Mm-hmm. And then you bring out your preacher and people are in this state of emotion where if he says something, they will respond much more strongly to it.
1: Yeah. Devil's advocate question for for you. Uh, And this is not really for you. Like I'm not grilling you. We're obviously both responding to this. The other advocate. Yeah. We obviously spent a few weeks talking about Handel's Messiah, Mm. which is a delicately composed piece of work mm-hmm. that is cinematic oh yeah in how it and in its arrangements in the arias in the yep. in the choir everything about it is to bring you visually into the text of scripture that you're singing or hearing being sung that's your key what is the difference between Handel's messiah and a jesus culture soak session what's the difference
0: I think that with Messiah it's there's there's a bunch of things about this one is that it's designed to bring you into the text which is lifted from scripture Mm -hmm. which a lot of these songs are not Mm. um but also Messiah was not written to be performed in church as part of your Sunday service Mm -hmm. Um, if you go back and listen to our Messiah series, uh, DJ and Aaron talk about how it was actually an after service thing in response to what had already been preached. So it's partly the order of things, um, Mm. in worship, singing is a response, it's Mm. not the, yeah, it, it comes second. The word comes first and we sing in response to the word. We don't sing in order to hype ourselves up to whatever is coming next. Mm. But also it's not just about the individual songs, mm. it's about the combination and the structure mm. and how you put them together in order to create a specific
1: atmosphere. And I would say to to answer my own question, but also to elaborate on what you said, response is key because you're responding to the truth of God, you're responding to who he is. More
0: about that towards. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. not <laughs> going to steal I'm not going to steal
1: that. But it is about a response to the word, but also I think what we have to acknowledge before we beat up on all of these church movement record labels mm-hmm. is that these movements have heavily influenced the way a lot of churches even churches that don't sing Hillsong, don't yeah. sing Bethel, don't sing Vineyard uh, songs, that sing the good old hymns or the good new hymns, because there are plenty of those. Yeah, It has influenced the way we approach music in the worship service it, in a lot of ways. It's
0: also caused some subtle changes in how we understand worship, what it is and mm-hmm. what it means to
1: have communion with God. Yes, Yes. And, and 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 I don't want to get ahead, uh, but I do think that's a critical thing to stop and say, we're not just pointing out and saying, oh, these no good, terrible, bad people and their mm-hmm. manipulation tactics and all that stuff. Yes, the fact that it's intentional is cause for concern because it isn't biblical. It isn't a proper understanding of how one is saved and how the Lord works in building his church. And what the purpose of building his church is, all of these things are outside of scripture, but we also unknowingly or knowingly Mm -hmm. have been influenced heavily by this type of methodology and, you know, Changing core, like having a continuous flow where you don't stop the song and you keep going. Like, Repeating what's wrong the with that?
0: Over and over. <laughs> what's
1: wrong with a little bit of meditation? Or you know, yeah, you know, like our our services, we always kind of start out. The first hymn is a song of praise mm-hmm. and then sometime for a while we were doing a song of praise and then a song of confession and yeah. then a specific song in response to the scripture like that That's was okay. pulling out those themes and it's fine mm-hmm. but we do have to think through those things like why are we doing that is it to help the congregation to Reflect on and understand who God is and what the text is and what we're here to do, or is it to gin up those emotions mm-hmm. uh or you know to have like this flow of a service like it we, we just have to be careful because yeah. we are more influenced by this than we actually know, even yeah. when we're serious like we are here on this podcast about thinking through and being intentional with this stuff. It doesn't mean that we've like wash the culture off of us and that we we are totally holy and and we don't do anything like this cuz we do.
0: Yeah, we do. I think there is something to be said for the hymn sandwich model. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is that it's like a call and response. So you have like, you have your call to worship, which is usually from scripture. So Mm -hmm. someone will read something from scripture and then you sing in Mm -hmm. response to that. And then there'll be like prayer and Bible reading. And then you will sing in response to that. And then you will hear a sermon. Like you'll hear someone preach from the word of God. Mm -hmm. And then you sing in response to that. Mm. Um which is the other way around from how they're doing things where we sing until we get into a state where we feel like, okay, I'm close with God now. And then we, we hear whatever the guy's going to say.
1: Yeah. So we've talked about kind of this origin, this kind of these, these, these movements that um, I think largely revivalism and this, I wish I had a name for it. The second guy, not the Finney guy, the second guy who wrote this book on the flow and all of that stuff. Oh, he's more
0: modern. I don't know that he's particularly well known. It was just that it was a very helpful quote from his
1: book. So I was just saying like these guys, what they've articulated, how it is because of their view of how the Holy Spirit works. Mm -hmm. It is deeply... Connected, interconnected, rooted in Pentecostalism. So there is an issue here where that's not our tradition. We have biblical reasons to object to that tradition. But these music movements Mm -hmm. that we've picked on in this episode are rooted in Pentecostalism and so so is their theology and so is their music and that's a hard one to address like in the time that we have but I think that's the general thing we're trying to get across is that just the even the way they put
0: the notes together Mm -hmm. has this background this this like theology behind it of why and how
1: yeah um and that might be hard to unlock because we've we've talked on this show about um pastors from pastors and hymn writers from different traditions than ours mm-hmm. who have written hymns pastors and hymn writers who have walked away from the faith seemingly yep. in their at the end of their life and yet we still sing and endorse their hymns so what's the difference why why can we say i guess maybe i've skipped a bit here but should we be singing hillsong bethel vineyard hymns given all of this intentional theologically erroneous background within their hymns um Or, you know, should we should we be singing those hymns just like we'd sing the good old hymns, quote unquote, from from the old days, from people who we theologically don't agree with?
0: I'm not 100 percent sure (laughs) when we're thinking about what we sing, we need to think about what has God asked of us and does it fit with what he said in Scripture? rather than thinking based like it's a huge temptation because it's just our culture we are such volatile emotionally based people uh, in our day and we have to be better about not necessarily just going with our gut all the time Mm. um so i don't know whether we should sing them (laughs) or not i think i think with all of this in mind Mm. it's probably wise not to Mm. especially if you've got people in your church who maybe are newer Christians, who maybe aren't as established in their faith, if you sing a Hillsong song Mm. that's good, they might go, hey, I really like this. I'm going to go back. I'm going to look up these people. Mm. And then they may end up listening to the music. And as we talked about, I think it was in the last episode about the whole marketing thing.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Once you start listening to the music, you'll see, oh, they've got preaching I'll listen mm. to that as well and mm. then I'll listen to their courses and then mm. you can get sucked in very easily and so yeah. for the sake of the weaker brother it may be wiser to just not do it
1: that's the safe answer I it's an interesting one because I may be sort of in my question uh, like implied that we shouldn't be singing Hillsong and that's definitely the the well, that's definitely the position that Scott Aniel takes in his article, yeah. which is a really good read. And he mentions a lot of the oh, things that you've mentioned.
0: That was the other thing I was going to say. It's not entirely about the individual songs. It's about how you put them together as well. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to bear that in mind as well when you're thinking about, should we sing these? You shouldn't sing them the way Hillsong sings them. <laughs> that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think... I. I I want to agree with that position a lot because I now know so much about how those movements were started and that they're deeply rooted in Pentecostalism and their view of how the Holy Spirit works is incorrect and it's fundamentally incorrect Mm -hmm. and that that could lead a lot of people astray. Um, But I can't bring myself to fully embrace that position for a few reasons and it might be emotive and I want to check my heart on that. But the other reason is for that example of men and and women of the past who have written hymns yeah. that are theologically legit that yeah. are a blessing to the church and have been for centuries and and they we don't share the same theology mm-hmm. and so I do think I want to be careful to say I think maybe a lot of what you've heard from Hillsong is junk and you probably should put it in the bin, but there are some really good hymns from them. Uh, Maybe I'd be beat up for calling them hymns. There are some really good contemporary songs written from them and manipulative or not, they do display God's gifting to these people that do display truth about God. I will say the biggest thing that you should be, well, there's a lot of things you should be wary of if you still listen to them, but the focus on yourself
0: yeah, happens to one. be quite
1: a big thing in contemporary music, but particularly out of these movements because of that there's postmodernism. No real, yeah, kinda, if you think
0: about the sorts of lyrics they have, it's Me and God. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't really have much church communal corporate and a lot view. of it doesn't
1: have a a very biblical view of the humility that we see before god mm-hmm. you might hear a lot of pleading with the lord like please lord i want to love you or like i'll give my all to you it's and a all that humble stuff
0: bragging in it's, parts <laughs> yeah it's
1: like i i'll do anything for you i'll follow you everywhere you go kind of language and it's like no, I'm more of the like John Newton, I asked the Lord that I might grow kind of yeah. humility because I was thinking, yeah, Lord, give me this thing. And he was like, no, I'm about to break your back so that you trust only in me and you get your joy only in me. So that kind of humility is a biblical one, yeah. whereas a lot of the hymns and the songs that come out of these movements is a not a real biblical humility. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like a begging for the holy spirit to fill you up and give you these feelings so Mm -hmm. that you can follow the lord um and so i do think so i want to agree but something is holding me back because i do think the main thing is discernment the main thing is to exercise discernment and the second main thing is to love your neighbor and yeah the discernment bit might be like oh you know what like this shane and shane cover third
0: strands to that which is conscience so yes Yes. you need to be discerning you need to bear in mind other people around you and where they're at Mm -hmm. but you know what if your conscience says that you can sing it then do so with discernment with love for your neighbor Mm -hmm. and if your conscience says you can't then don't go against your conscience
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely so i do think i think those things are really important to practice and because of that i can't fully say don't be singing these these songs on a Sunday specifically, and maybe not at home either, because I, you need to be careful with what you're filling. I have Hillsong songs <laughs> on my playlist at home. But I said that's why I said I can't say fully. Yeah, that you shouldn't listen to them at all. But but if you're going to for church services or for your own time at home, just around the house. Uh, just to be careful what you're filling your mind with and be careful what you're, because it's not like I'm listening to it. Actually, I won't even make that point. When you're listening to a pop song, they're talking about nonsense, right? And yes, filling your head with nonsense all day is probably not a good idea either. But if you're listening to Christian music, contemporary Christian music that comes out of these movements, you got to be extra, extra careful because they're talking about your savior and your Lord. Mm-hmm. And you, and a lot of people hold on to their theology because of the songs that they sing. Yeah. They that's what that's the mechanism that helps you remember truth about God, about who he is, about who you are in relationship to him. And if you're filling your head with songs that have poor theology then that's what you will remember you'll internalize you'll 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 memorize that
0: i think my my two key takeaways just quickly as we finish up are um sing with your bible open like Mm. have discernment and the other thing is you need to remember that emotions are not evidence of the holy spirit Mm -hmm. in your life lasting change regardless of how you feel is evidence of the holy spirit in your life
1: absolutely the fruit the fruit of the spirit in your life is the proof that is the proof as you could tell, we could probably we've not even touched like we the notes for this hours episode. We talked about this yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the notes for this episode are insanely long. And I don't know. You tell us. Do you want us to talk about this in more depth? Is there something that we hit on that we didn't At hit on don't enough? Make
0: me read more about theology. Uh,
1: make her read more, about... and me too. By the way, it's not just Kara's torture because I do think these things are important. Yeah, this is probably like for our generation, one of the hardest things to really consider, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people put things of music to the side. This isn't super important. Like, okay, maybe we won't sing Hillsong, whatever. We'll just stick to the hymn book or stay. But I do think we should be, and we've always felt this way. You should be intentional about what you're doing in, in relationship to how you worship the Lord Um, And there is a right way and there is a wrong way. Uh, Mr. Finney had a lot of ideas in the way of the wrong way. And we should be careful not to perpetuate those over generations because the influence that he and folks who follow him have on our generation. Mm -hmm. So it is an important issue. We're really grateful that you know, we had this time to talk about this with you guys over the last two weeks, but please let us know because I know we didn't hit everything as much as we wanted to. Please let us know of what we said that you would like clarity on or, you know, think that we need to go into more depth or tell us if you fully disagree with us. But I do think that there are at least some things for you to chew on and to really consider. And I'm going to stop rambling. Subscribe to our newsletter. (laughs) Subscribe. If
0: you do that, you'll get the bonus content. We are going to talk about some other contemporary music that you could be singing later. But if you're watching this, then you've already missed it. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So go sign up so you don't miss out next week when we have other great bonus content.
1: And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.